Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Suzanne. Welcome to The Courage Effect, where each week I talk with a guest about what they've learned through wrangling fear and risk, no matter how big or small the challenge. And my guest today is Michelle Grover. Michelle is the Chief Technology Officer at Slalom, a global management consulting firm headquartered in Seattle. She's been named by Business Insider as one of the 100 people transforming business in emerging tech having spent the first 20 years of her career building deep technical expertise, which led her to executive roles at TripIt and Twilio before joining Slalom last fall. Michelle sits on numerous boards and is a member of the Graysoft and Sierra Ventures Technology Councils, where she advises and provides insights to various companies within their portfolios. She's also very passionate about giving back and dedicates her time to mentoring high school young women and people of color in the technology field. Michelle, it is a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So you, obviously your career, you are a black woman in an executive technology role. I mean, let's just, let's just put that out there. And this show is all about courage. You have, I'm sure, tapped into courage in so many ways, being in such a pretty homogeneous field. So I'd love for you to maybe talk about how you define courage and how you've stepped into that in your journey. Yeah, I think it's interesting because we talked about like what what example could I use, but there's always so many, right? Um, So one I I would just say is, believe it or not, just existing is courage. (laughs) Such a, a random thing, but it's really true. And thinking that, you know, to grow up as a you know, a Black person in America, and then to have parents who are absolutely great, but they did not go to college. They had skilled trades and had fantastic jobs. So I had great examples, but trying to figure out and maneuver what I wanted to do actually took a certain amount of courage. Your parents pretty much have a goal and they're like, you know, the doctor lawyer thing. Everyone understands that. And at the time, 30 years ago, when I'm looking at computers, my father thought it was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever seen. Uh, was me sitting here playing with this random thing. And he's like, are you sure you're going to actually make money doing anything with that? Maybe you should think of something else. So I think it just, you know, it takes courage to sometimes break out from expectations and kind of say, no, I'm willing to give this a shot and see how it goes. Yeah. Well, and I know that you originally planned on being an architect. So how did that shift happen? Yeah. So I had no intention of ever being a software engineer or let alone executive in technology. Um, I always thought I could draw really well since I was a young child. Always thought that I would go into something engineering related, but more like mechanical engineering. And then I started to see buildings. And, you know, long ago before the interwebs, we had Encyclopedia Britannicus. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. what I used a lot and looked through that and saw, oh, you can actually draw and have a career drawing things, and then read a lot about architecture and decided that's what I wanted to do. So I went to a college prep high school, graduated early that summer, went to um, went to college, did community college, just stayed home and went to community college. And I was taking architecture. That, that was the plan. But some years later, got married. I'd started into um, software, working at a painting company, also dating myself. 
um, and doing program pager programming over the air with uh, satellites and things like that and upgrading systems. But I always plan to go back to architecture. And when I'd been married for a while, you know, I told my husband, I said, I think I really want to go go back. And in um, San Diego, I decided to go to a private university while I still worked and met somebody and her dad was an architect and sat with him. And he just said, you know, before you change careers, really sit with me, you know, come see, come shadow, come see what it's like. And at the end of it, God bless him. He said, you know, how, how did you like it, Michelle? You know, I'm very respectful. Thank you so much for the opportunity. He's like, Michelle. And I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. Is this what it's like? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and wow. this is the absolute best version of this you will ever find. And by then I'd been in software probably seven or eight years. And he just said, you know, it's, you know, this is the best version that you're going to get. It is a difficult field. And at this point, you're going to start over. You're going to make less money than you make right now. You're starting over. He said, you know, stay in technology, build your house. <laughs> That's probably the best thing to do. And so he kind of kept me on that that path of like, okay, well, I guess I will stick with the technology thing. Yeah, that's so great. And it's, I love that it was your friend's dad too, right? I mean, just somebody that just randomly offered to do yeah. it and had such a massive impact on you. <laughs> that's probably why I had impact. You know, there's nothing better than somebody that's a, someone you know, so they can be really open and honest with you because they're like, hmm, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. Well, and technology is such a vast field. So I'm also curious, how did you hone in on what you really wanted to be focusing on? Yeah, I had no idea. I just, <laughs> I think that's, that's the reality of it. I think, you know, I tell my son, I tell people I mentor, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about what degree you will graduate from university with. And I know very few people in my entire life that are actually practicing anything related to their degrees. I mean, very, very few. I know even less people who knew what they wanted to be when they were in high school and have stayed on track to be that insert here, right? Like that, that's such a rare thing. So I didn't focus on any one particular thing as things came up or the work needed to be done. I would just take it and try it. And I think that's why I can do a lot of different things. And then that's also when you find out what you have really good skills at. Yeah, trial and error. And yeah. and it's it's interesting too. So I wanted to be an interior designer when I was in high school. Yes. <laughs> now see, you could actually do that. I know you. I've seen the house. You could <laughs> Thank you. Um and yeah, and my degrees are in English. So it's and and who knows what the heck I would have done with that. I wanted to be a professor. So it's interesting when you start playing in the fields, right? You start getting an idea of it. And is this really what lights me up? Yeah, it's true. And then you, you, I think you don't want to be miserable too, right? There, like it's yeah. one thing to have to have a job and to have to work a certain way. You know, that's just life. But when you actually have the option to say, this is something I want to do and I can do it. And it may not even be your dream. Like I still adore architecture. I travel. I love looking at houses, but I probably wouldn't adore it if I did it for a living. That's the interesting thing. It's you know, whereas computers like, ah, yeah, I'm good at this, but I don't eat, drink, sleep it, you know, so th there's a, there's a balance there, you know? Yeah, definitely. And so your son, Dimitri, what, what, what is he interested in? He doesn't know either. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is, so it's funny because, 
So, you know, both me and his dad have, you know, technology. So his dad's a programmer as well. And his dad, you know, went to school for law. And so his dad really wants to, you know, like, he needs to be a lawyer. And Dimitri's like, yeah, not so much. And then me, I'm like, eh, just see what you want to do. So at a young age, he could program. He knows how to program. He has all of that. He has no interest whatsoever <laughs> at all. So I don't push him on it. He actually really, really, really likes anthropology mm. and the studies of civilization. So I told him, I'm like, why not? Why not do that? I'm like, you you have no idea where it leads to. It can lead to so many different things. But if it's something you truly enjoy and that you're interested in, that's when you're young, that's the great thing. Try it. Like, there's no reason for you to not give it a shot. So right now, that's where he still thinks it's going to go is towards anthropology. And then funny enough, yesterday, just yesterday, he told me that he's probably going to consider religion as well, because just the study of civilizations, how religion has shaped them, all of that kind of leads into, he likes the sociology as well as the, you know, the sociology aspect of civilization as well. So we'll see. We will see what he does. That's great. Well, and it sounds like you've really encouraged him to venture out and to figure out what he wants to do. Yeah. That's what, like, that's what you're young for. Like do, do this now. You don't want it just thrown on you. It'd be great. And then you may not like it and you try something else. You got a lot of time. Yeah. Were there ever any times when you were working in tech where you were like, what the hell am I doing? Did you think about transitioning into something other than architecture? No. I, so what's funny is once I was in tech, I never thought of transitioning out. I did wonder what the hell was going on, but you know, that's just the reality of, <laughs> of technology and working with other people. <laughs> That's kind of part of it. It's less about the tech and more about the other people typically. Um, but no, I never did think it's funny. I never did because I've always still had drawing and architect. I've never thought of a different career, but I think that that's what I learned relatively early is you, your career. And I will say my, my parents were really good at kind of setting that expectation. They very much, which is probably sad, but also true. They were like, Oh, you don't have to love what you do. You, you know, they're like, we know we talk about that or, my dad would say, oh, people say that all the time, but do you really have to love what you do? You know, maybe you love what you do outside of work. It doesn't have to be the work itself. And so because of that, I could always kind of differentiate, even if the job is tough or people are difficult. I'd be like, eh, that's okay. I can just love what I do outside of work. Mm. Well, and it is good to have, I think, some separation between, like, I mean, I, I love my work, but at the same time, you know, I need to walk away from it. <laughs> You'll be sitting with it all the time. And then you're like, oh, now I need a break, a big break. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and and I wonder about that too, for you, if it's a matter of if, and I know this being married to a technologist, all, you know, every family event or everything like, oh, I'm having an issue with my computer yeah. or, oh, I'm having, yeah. I'm sure that that's a big part of yeah. <laughs> your the, life. The, the parents, the parents, friends, the random invited dinners that you get to, I get to my parents and then they're like, hey, we're going over such and such's house for dinner. And then out come the tablets that they got from the dollar store and don't know why they don't work. For sure. Oh, no. So yes. Yes. This is that's just part of life. That's what you sign on for. Yeah. And I'm sure that's I mean, I've seen that. That's hard because you want to help people and not be rude. But yeah. But I can't believe yeah, that it's like, it's yeah, the intentional yeah. dinner. <laughs> It's true. That's okay. And it's older people. So you just know to behave and say thank you because your parents are going to pop you in the head if you embarrass them. Even at 50, they will still pop you in the head. That's true. <laughs> the joy of parenthood. It is.
Well, and I'm imagining too, that it's also, I mean, the, the, the being a bit of a Rosetta stone between generations and also technology, because it is like speaking another language. And that's even harder when you're talking about people that didn't grow up with it. Yeah. I will say I'm super proud of my parents though, because of COVID and all of this, they now know Zoom really well. Although I do have some very funny videos of them. The first time they were on Zoom where I took screenshots of looking down on the iPad. <laughs> Every so often I just send it back to them to laugh. But yeah, like my dad can now tell everybody how to join Zoom because they do it for church and who knew? And I tease him. I said, so you really could figure this out. You've just been giving me a hard time all these years. Because when forced to, all of a sudden, you could figure the entire thing out. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I think that's an interesting point, too, when forced to, right? Like when we don't have those people where we can pick up the phone, or just tap them on the shoulder. It makes It's a little bit different. Well, make it work. They, oh, wait. Oh, I got to do it by myself. Okay, I guess I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and but that's also a part of life, right? I'm sure that like in career, it's about, you know, okay, now I need to get out on my own and try this. Yep. And then now I tell them, I'm like, oh, well, you can't call me now. You should just be able to help all your friends. <laughs> you <laughs> at all. You passed the baton. Now your turn. Well, I know we need to pause for a quick break, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear a little bit about, because you're such a passionate mentor and, um, and maybe, you know, I know that there's that question of what is advice that you might give your earlier self? So maybe we can come back and spend a little bit of time on that. Okay, sounds good. Great. This is Suzanne. You're listening to The Courage Effect. We will be back in a minute. Job search doesn't have to be painful. Wouldn't it be great if you had someone to guide you through your job search or career exploration? Since 2013, Plum Coaching has provided job search, career coaching, resume, and LinkedIn profile expertise to clients around the world. Plum's coaches are former recruiters who have more than 15 years experience in every type of industry, including tech, real estate, construction, manufacturing, and nonprofit. Their coaches take what they know about hiring and put it in service to their clients. If job search is a challenge, or if you're exploring a new career direction, Plum is here to help. They'll work with you to turn what feels like a slog into an adventure. Visit PlumSeattle.com for details and information on their services. Maybe it's time for a partner like Plum. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. This is Suzanne. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. And I am having a great conversation with Michelle Grover. And Michelle, as we talked about before we went to break, you you spend a lot of time mentoring young women and people of color. I would love to hear you talk a little bit about that and also maybe your experience with advice you might give your earlier self. I know that's sort of the standard question, but um, I always do think it's curious now that you have all of this perspective. Um, Anyway, I'll let you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for young people, it's it's always really interesting. You have to take so much into consideration, um, fi family dynamics. Uh, are you uh, the last uh, couple of young women that I um, that I mentored were first generation going to college? One was an immigrant and or Im from an immigrant family, and then another was um, an African American 
young woman. And her sister had just gone to college about a year prior, but she was going to be the, the second one. And her sister was struggling. So her sister, they grew up here in California. They've never been anywhere else. Her sister went to Kentucky to go to university because that's where she got a scholarship and she struggled. And I spent a lot of time telling her, I said, my personal opinion of this, and you know, my son knows this, is that you go to community college, unless you have family members who can tell you what to expect and you understand. Um, if you can, community college for two years is a fantastic way to kind of take your time getting into school and understanding what it looks like after you transition out of high school. Because what we all forget is they're still babies. You know, you're 18, 19, so you're under 21, you're going away to school, you need to figure out how to navigate your classes, which is set up very differently. You got to figure out a lot of times if you're coming from certain families, you have to work as well. And you have to live on campus and you have to maneuver around people you just don't know. And all that's a lot of things to heap on someone. So sometimes staying home where you know you're going to get a good meal, where you know you can wash your clothes, where you could just focus on what the school looked like and how do I figure out how to learn and how to function in this newer environment is a better way of starting. So that's one of the things I spend a lot of time when I mentor if, is, you know, community college. And then, oh, by the way, the best kept secret is if you go to a good community college and you get your two-year, you can transfer in at the junior year into a fantastic university that would not have let you in because the freshman class is giant entering. By about junior year, a lot of people have gone away <laughs> and the school cannot make that money up. Because once you drop out after freshman year, they need they're they're still waiting for another freshman year class to come and fit those slots. So a lot of times, community college also will get you into a top tier university you might not have got, might not have been able to get into in a freshman just because of competition. And now you have a better idea of what you're going to do. So that's one of the things that when I talk to a lot of young people, the last uh, three folks I've talked to, that's what I told them: like, just try it. Give yourself some time. Give yourself some some space and then you can always go to university after. Um, younger self, so we laugh about this because I, I told you, I, I have nothing different to tell my younger self <laughs> because I wouldn't be me without whatever happened. Like I, I, it's very, I have only had, and it's always worked out. Like, of course there's jobs I haven't gotten, things I really wanted and but in the end, I've always found out like, oh, that was probably a good thing that didn't work out in the end. Wow. Here I was really broken up. That ended up being a really, really bad idea. Now that I see what that job was or who received the position and what it's like. And sometimes I've been, I've had jobs that I, I didn't get and the company went under pretty quickly after. Mm. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have known that. So for me, like talking to my younger self is just, you know, just give it a shot. Do what you did before and see, because you just, anything that you change, that's where you watched me, Twilight Zone movies, but anything that you change really changes your future, you know? So do you really want to change? I like my life. I like who I am, bumps and all and everything that happens. So I don't know that there's anything that I would change. It's been a pretty good life. That's so good. I mean, the whole idea of we're always trying to like improve ourselves and there's nothing wrong. <laughs> With with continuous improvement, and I'm always thinking about, okay, what can I do differently next time? But we tend to be so hard on ourselves, and I do that whole idea of hindsight. I, I think we, it can be a little bit cruel. Yeah, and I don't. Again, like I, 
the you don't know you change this one thing it could be such a big different um you know a big difference in who you are where you are in life who you meet you know that's there's so much that's part of that and i'm like i like my friends i like the people i've met i like the you know accidental meetings of people who know someone who knows something you know and if any of those change you know what what would i be missing you know yeah. Well, and I think it's such a relevant point right now, too, in that, um, you know, when you said things that didn't happen that you wanted to happen and what you learned as a result of it, because now, I mean, you know, there's so many layoffs happening. There's so many people going through professional changes that they didn't instigate themselves. And sometimes it's like, OK, who knows what this is going to, to who knows what it's going to put at your feet? Who knows what opportunity comes about, even if you don't have control over it? Yeah, you might get a better thing or you might be it may be that drive that tells you to go try that thing you've always wanted to do, but you didn't even think about it because you were consistently employed. And now you come out of it. They say a lot of like really good businesses come out of a downturn or a downshift because somebody says, okay, well, I have nothing to lose. I will take this chance. But during good times, you just kind of ride with it. And it's, it's interesting that they they've always said, like, if you go back and look, some of the best companies and innovations come out of times when, when times are harder. Yeah. Well, and it's also like the change curve. And I'm thinking about, you know, a lot of the time we don't, we don't start to like, you know, develop new skills or take a class or do something along those lines until we're unhappy. For sure. And we wait till we're in that trough of the change curve. It's like, if we were really maximizing, we do it before we got into yeah. that situation where we weren't feeling good or didn't have control. For sure. But then, you you know, you have to know that's coming on. And it's, it's hard to not just be comfortable. It, it really is. It is, especially as you get older. Yeah. I'm like, ah, this feels pretty good. Gonna just hang out here. This is not bad, you know? <laughs> well, and you said a really beautiful thing last week where you said, I don't have regrets. I have wonders. Yeah. Like I have a bunch of the what ifs. Like, well, I wonder what would have happened if this, but I, I really don't have regrets. I just, you know, it, it is what it is at this particular point. And what can I possibly do about it at this point? That's the other thing in my head. Like, is there... Can I really change whatever that thing is? But it's really hard for me to think back. Like, I do I regret? No, I do. I just kind of wonder, like, oh, I kind of wonder what would have happened if this happened. But, you know, like I said, it still wouldn't be me and this wouldn't be what it is right now. Yeah. And it's so interesting, too, that we tend to regret more of what we didn't do than what we actually did do. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing too, though, do things. I mean, like, I think I, there's been so few things that I haven't, like I've said no to. That's, I think that maybe that's also part of why I don't have the regrets and more of the what have said. Yeah. I've traveled and had opportunities to travel and somebody asked, do you want to do this? I'm like, okay, sure. Let me give it a shot. Sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I realize I don't want to do that again, you know, but I've tried it, you know, like, just like you, you try you're like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And I'm like, yeah, we all know that Suzanne can do this. Like, <laughs> like we're like, yeah, of course. And then, you know, but then it inspires other people. They're like, oh, well, see, she did this. Oh, maybe I can give that much smaller thing than what Suzanne was going to do a shot. <laughs> no. Much smaller. Well, and I have to say, you're doing the same thing in your mentoring. I mean, that's, that's, it's such great advice. Like we were talking about going in in the junior year and, and all of that, you know, it's, I see so many parents that are, you know, like, oh my God, college were the best years of my life. And, and yes, Kevin, I had wonderful college years, 
but you don't necessarily know what your kid is going to have to maneuver when they go into it. So I like that you also said there are alternatives. There isn't just one way of doing things. Yeah. And it's, and you still may get exact, as a matter of fact, you may get a better end result than you expect. Who knows? I mean, you've got, you've got a long time to be in school and now no one really frowns upon you going back to school. You know, there, you know, I'm older. So I remember when you, the idea was you go in, you get out in the four years and you need to immediately start a career. And a lot of that's changed because again, that, that straight path to a career has changed over time. You know, I've had engineers that used to be lawyers. We've had product managers that were social workers. We've had engineers go back and just become accountants and just, you know, so you just don't know. Sometimes you just get in and figure it out and say, oh, this is not what I thought. And then you think, oh, well, now I'm willing to give a shot to that other thing that I didn't think was really great. Which is exactly like you going into technology when you wanted to be an architecture. Yeah, architecture is still better, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's better because I don't do it as a living probably, but yeah, <laughs> that's why. But it's, it is that like, do something, right? I mean, exactly as you said, it's, it's not that hard. And when we, when we tend to think about, you know, what's the cost of us not doing something, I think that really changes the the conversation. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I also love your quote about, I have wonders because I know you are a big wonder woman fan. Talk about courage. <laughs> Look, you just couldn't help it. See how you just like, oh my goodness. I'm so big. <laughs> Talk to me about wonder woman. <laughs> So anybody who knows me knows, and Suzanne knows me really well. I really like Wonder Woman. So I like I like comics. I grew up with comics, but I like the old Linda Carter <laughs> Wonder Woman. I watched. I also used to love like Six Million Dollar Man and all the other things that came on as well. But I always loved Wonder Woman because I, you know, here was a is a you know it's not about uh, it's a female society where they essentially are self-sufficient, take care of themselves. And, you know, growing up as a little girl, that was amazing. Like, what, you mean it's just women and they just do all the things? That's kind of fantastic, you know? And just the idea that match for match when you look at comics, you're usually about, you know, strength, you know, and there is still skill and there's some type of chess match type savvy that's required with it. But match for match, she's as strong as probably the next strongest person, which would be Superman, you know? And so to see that, you know, you had female heroes and that as a little girl, you didn't only have to pick male. And then eventually you started to have the X-Men. So then you got Storm and some other like female heroes who weren't sidekicks. They were heroes in their own right. And so that's kind of why, I, you know, that. And, that, and again, part of this, the nostalgia of just remembering being a little girl watching Linda Carter and the really bad looking jet thing and still, and we'll still watch it and don't feel bad about it. At all. <laughs> well, thank you for channeling superheroes and thank you for being a superhero as well. Cause you, you totally are. So I would love for people, if they're interested in reaching out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, definitely reach out on LinkedIn and I would appreciate, I get a lot of LinkedIn invite requests. So especially usually people trying to sell stuff to me. So <laughs> Please mention that you heard about this on Suzanne's program. Otherwise, I may think you're just trying to sell something to me. So feel free to reach out through LinkedIn, but make sure to mention the program. Great. Thank you for that, Michelle. Thank you for a great conversation. Always wonderful to see you and be with you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Suzanne with The Courage Effect. Stay courageous.